Well, hi there, homies. This is Sarah. And I'm Ashley. And this is Hometown Homicide. Upgraded edition, hopefully. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We are a little late this week, but we are here. We are here. And we have new, new equipment. equipment. So this should sound so much better. So and for everyone who bared with us, we thank you and appreciate you. But we're here and I'm so excited. And both mics should work appropriately now. We dropped Holler. some coin. Not a ton, but you know, good good basics. Yeah, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's been a whole, it's been a a, a journey. And also, they were delayed because I'm an asshat and get my ass kicked at work all the time. Plus, plus, uh, thinking it won't take me that long to type up reports and then I get into too many details and then it takes me forever so that's my bad too it's all good you can't control when it comes to your job yeah I know but we are here we won't skip an episode we just are delayed sorry Ash has some shout outs yes so just wanted to give a quick shout out to the great podcast community that we have over on the Twitter. And for everyone who is currently in the top 10 for true crime on Good Pods, Drunk Theory is still at number one. They are hilarious. If you have not listened to them, please listen to Drunk Theory. We also have uh, How to Spot a Killer. How to Spot a Killer. Awesome. Love you, girl. Also, I sent you a link. How to Spot a Killer was a guest on the podcast 8750, the episode A Bag of Kinks. Holy shit. If you have not listened to that, you need to. I laughed so fucking hard. <laughs> it was amazing. And just. Literally, I feel like I know her so much better just from listening to that. <laughs> and not just because, like, she's a great, like, I feel like she's a friend now. She has to be. I mean, just from Twitter. Yeah. And everything else. Yeah. But you have to listen to 8750 podcast, Bag of Kinks, because it was hilarious. <laughs> yes, uh, I will try to do that this week now that. It's your turn to do a research. <laughs> I have spare time after I'm off work this week. So. And we also have Sarah's birthday <gasps> oh, coming up. Yes, actually, Ashley's next episode that will come out next Monday will be out on my birthday. Yes. Because I was thinking, I'm like, oh my God, my episode will be on my birthday. I'm like, wait, no, there's a whole other week in between. I mean, I if you want to do another one. No, I just said I need. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but I do need to do two supplement. Well, not I need to do the supplemental episode about Bob Dale. That's been a rigmarole. I'm hopefully gonna talk 
to the ex-wife or not ex-wife the the wife, wife. tomorrow again because she wants to talk again and then I can finally get all my things together and do a supplemental episode about his disappearance but people have been waiting for that I know I, I feel bad and I'm like no I'm doing it I promise I promise I promise and then well then I had COVID so then whatever and then she didn't get back to me and then I got my ass kicked and then I didn't get back to her so it's been a whole thing so it is the plan it is the plan so well we're all waiting for that I, I can't wait any other oh what we talked about last week um the Super Bowl and the halftime show oh yes Super Bowl, eh, at least it was a good game. The commercials, did you, what was your favorite commercial? Um, I mean, the Austin Powers one was pretty good. The, uh, what was it, the Doritos one with the animals that ended up doing like the. (laughs) Yeah, they always have good ones. Yeah, yeah, that was good. They knew their audience after the halftime show, that's for sure, because it was geared towards like our age of Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I don't know. There's some silly ones, and it's like you know, social time and eating too. So uh, I don't know why. What one is? Well, the one that stuck out to me that grabbed my attention immediately was the Chevy commercial, the Silverado. It had well, nothing the with to the do with the Silverado. What was it? The one with the Joneses? No, that was Toyota. I don't know. That one was cute. It was cute. Especially at the end when the Jonases or the new Jones, <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, no. whoever you are. <laughs> we are talking about as soon as that Sopranos theme song started uh, playing, I was like, what? Yeah, I don't know. And I then Meadow notice. was driving and it was yeah. like the scene from the opening of the Sopranos. And then <laughs> it was in front, like the where it all ended and then there was AJ and I'm like what is happening you have to be a Sopranos fan you have to have watched the Sopranos and I did oh, not it so told, I was like oh, what <laughs> yeah. so that was amazing if I saw that one I had no idea what the fuck was going on and a lot of people didn't and then on I went to Facebook and then someone was like ah, it's an electric truck I go I paid zero attention to the truck <laughs> at all it was all Sopranos for me. And they're like, oh, I've watched the Sopranos. I go, clearly you have not. <laughs> you are not a fan. Get off my post. I did see people and I said, saying something about that commercial. <laughs> and then, of course, I did the comeback of, tell me you haven't watched the Sopranos without <laughs> telling me you haven't watched the Sopranos. And she did. So, sorry. <laughs> not sorry, but. You know. Yeah. Um. And then after that, after the halftime. Yeah, I went over to HBO because, you know, Euphoria was on and I wasn't missing that. The one commercial, I I did appreciate it, even though it was it was lame, but it was still got your attention, was like that screensaver. It had the, the QR code screensaver yes. thing. And, and of course, we all ended up being like, what's going on? What's happening? Because of course, it's like silent or maybe had some sort of elevator music. And we're like, oh, is it going to hit the corner? Oh, no. Oh, oh, almost. Oh, and then it finally did. And then, yeah, it was for like, Bitcoin bullshit or whatever. And it's like, oh, that was dumb. But it at least got your attention. It did. And as soon as I saw that, the first thing I thought of the was office. The Office. <laughs> I already knew where you were at. Oh, and then, yeah, the halftime show was dope as fuck. I was so excited. It was. I do have a complaint. I was going to say, uh-oh. So that, that wasn't a wholehearted... Why? What? 
No Tupac? I know. No. <laughs> there was not enough time for Eminem. There, there never is. To do Forgot About Dre yeah. with Dr. Dre. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was waiting for that, and it was just like this small bit, and then it went into him, and I'm like, we need more time. Yeah. And it was awesome that they brought 50 Cent in, but he was yeah. not advertised as it. It was a surprise, but it took away time from Eminem that I was hoping for. <laughs> not dissing 50 in any way right. at all. I just felt like that took time away from Eminem's performance, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I thought 50 looked love like I think, I didn't he, looked think he looked great bad at all. I mean, he's not some 20 something anymore. Neither he doesn't are exactly we. have a dad bod, but he's a little more filled in. I thought he looked great. The but. fact that people were even discussing his body weight, I'm like, really? Annoying. Like we're doing yeah. this? Yeah. Man, Snoop, what I did not put together, I saw he was in a blue suit. I saw his suit was bandana. I almost said flavored derp print. <laughs> what I didn't put together is his whole Crip affiliation blue bandana for Crips. I guess the NFL told him he couldn't throw the C or do a Crip walk or still, wear a blue bandana. He still did do. The and they also things. told Eminem he couldn't kneel, and he still did. Like that is supposedly false. I guess he did that even in the rehearsals and it was for Tupac it wasn't even for the other stuff it was for Tupac there was a TikTok that got taken down but there's still footage of it I think it's on YouTube now Snoop like covertly smoking weed (laughs) like well not Snoop it's Snoop like Like, he's not gonna and someone said it was posted on Facebook how and he's a comedian he was literally joking but in a screenshot like I can't believe he would do this. He just lost a fan. Like seriously, clear, it was he was a comedian. So oh, he, you did say that. Sorry. He did it to get got it. attention. Got it. Got it. Got it. I'm, I'm like, sorry. Really? If Snoop Dogg, you should expect that. Yeah. And I, if they did get together and do a tour, oh my god, like yes. we're down, right? Oh yeah, for sure. That'd be so good. Mary J was great. She looked great. She had great energy. And I just really could give a shit less about Kendrick Lamar. Nothing against him. It's just he's not he my just wasn't, yeah. flavor. It didn't match very well. Like 50 almost didn't match, but he also literally sang about Eminem in those lyrics that he sang. So like it still caught no one together. But overall, it was great. Fabulous. Yes. Love it. Dre was back there acting like he was mixing stuff. And it was like yeah. all of he it. He looks fabulous. great. He looks fantastic. It was just fun. And some of the memes after were just gold. Like, there was the Pawn Stars guy with a customer, and the customer was like, I want Tupac in the halftime show, and the Pawn Stars guy were like, best I can best do we can 50. do is 50 Cent. Or yeah, I want a hologram of Tupac for the halftime show. Best I can do is an upside well, they, down 50 Cent. They talked about it, though. They said they were... <laughs> sorry, I moved Cat. Um, they said they were talking about doing a hologram of Tupac. Like, is it going to be a hologram? Like, what I hours before the Super Bowl. What I didn't even think about is it was in L.A., yes, but also at the time, it was so much more daylight there. Like trying to do a hologram in daylight is going to be way more difficult than True. nighttime. You know, if it was on East Coast or something. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, it's like full ass nighttime or nighttime, daytime. But no, they made it all work and it was fabulous. It, it was great. But oh. well, yeah, 
was a long, yappy introduction, but it was fun stuff to talk about. How to get it out there. And we both have a microphone. Ah, that works. Yay. Um, this case took place in Marion, Iowa, or the, the main part of this case took place. Took, case took place. Derp, derp, derp. In Marion, Iowa on January 6, 2002. I'm going to tell you about three people and how the blending and crossing of their paths led to two of them brutally killing the third. First, let me tell you about Brandy Bird. Brandy had a rough childhood. She was living in California when at only three years old, her mother abandoned her. Her father, John Moore, took her in for a while, but apparently couldn't be all that she needed. So then she went to live with her grandmother for a bit. Brandy then bounced around a lot of foster families She had stated that, quote, I've forgotten a lot of my childhood. She also told of how, as a child, she was often by herself and was a quiet kid, not talking much and holding things in. At some point, Brandy ended up in Indiana, where she learned and honestly excelled at basketball at Ben Davis Junior High and AAU in Indianapolis. She ended up moving to Richmond, Virginia, to once again live with her father, John, who at the time was a city bus driver. They ended up having a falling out during her senior year, though reasons behind the falling out vary per source. Her former basketball coach, Jean Atkins, from Henrico High School, Henrico, Henrico, I'll go with Henrico, High School, sorry, in Richmond, I forgot to look up how to say that said that Brandy had gorgeous hair, but shaved it off, quote, to play the role, end quote, of a lesbian, leading her father to kick her out over her sexual orientation. Brandy herself said that he kicked her out because he was trying to raise an already grown child and asserting too much authority. She lived on the streets briefly, but her kind coach, Jean Atkins, took Brandy in to live with her and her own family for a month or so. Jean reportedly fully trusted Brandy and at times even let Brandy babysit her seven-year-old grandson. Jean stated, she was very quiet. She just needed someone to give her a little love, a little attention. Her coach also said that Brandy could have possibly played for colleges like Purdue or Indiana. Brandy was described as aggressive on the basketball court, but no problem off. Jean Adkins said that one time a man in the gym made a derogatory comment about Brandy, to which Brandy didn't retaliate, but instead cried. Brandy said that people, including her father and coaches, told her that she kept too much inside, and if she didn't let her feelings out, she would, quote, explode. Yeah, that's what happens. Yep, pretty much. Don't bottle that shit up. No. Let it out. She wasn't a great student, but with guidance and encouragement from her coaches, she did get on track enough to graduate in the year 2000 and even had a scholarship, I'm assuming for basketball, to a junior college in Kansas City. Unfortunately, she got distracted by a girlfriend in Des Moines. While sitting in Lynn County Jail during an interview with the Gazette in 2002, Brandy said, if I hadn't met up with her, I would be in college living in a dorm playing basketball. This wasn't her first time in jail, but most likely her last. Previously, she had been arrested out on the East Coast for something she claims her cousin did. It was cited as destroying an apartment. I don't know if, like, just wrecked the inside or what. Um, But 
she didn't rat him out and she just took the rap for him so she went to jail she's not a snitch apparently snitches get stitches and remember that in ditches she was also arrested multiple times in marion iowa for theft underage possession of alcohol possession of marijuana drug paraphernalia and had been cited for loud music multiple times as well as having a disorderly house mm-hmm. marion pd does not fuck around they do not you can be going one mile per hour over the speed limit and they will pull you over and give you a ticket that's not even a joke guys like that's real not joking that's real i mean no hate to the marion pd so no all the respect but there's no no flexibility mm-hmm. in the law for them her arrests and complaints at least the ones in marion were never violent or dangerous in any manner brandy failed to a appear in court on the disorderly house charge which resulted in an arrest warrant being issued for that because she failed to appear in court you gotta show up for court man get that she was actually arrested on january 5th 2002 because of that warrant and released the next morning on january 6th after appearing in raiment court and receiving a fine remember at the beginning i said this case takes place on January 6, 2002. So she got out of jail that morning. Okay. Over something very innocuous, you know, missing a court date. Now, player two. Let's talk about David Keegan. David, or sometimes listed, mentioned as DJ, but I'm going to go with David, also had a rough upbringing. His twin sister, Destiny Wright, said that they were abused by their biological mother and that she, the mother, had mental and substance abuse issues. The two children were beaten regularly and even left in a ditch once. What? Right? Like, the fuck? David and Destiny went to live with their father and stepmother, but the father fell ill, leaving them more so in the hands of their stepmother, whom apparently also abused the children. At some point fairly early in the childhood, David and his sister were put into foster care. David was adopted by a woman named Penny Keegan when he was only seven. So all that shit happened to them before they were even seven years old. Wow. Right? Um, Unfortunately, things didn't seem to improve for David. His sister stated later at his trial that his adoptive mother, Penny, was a, quote, disgusting person. And that Penny performed sex acts in front of him. Uh, Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't know. So the twin sister didn't go with him. No, and they got, they got split, split up. Yeah. Which would be hard too. To, For sure, you it's know. your twin. Yeah. I don't have a twin, but I think well, you have a stronger is connect- bad enough connection. To split, but yeah, twins would be even harder on him. I'd think. During his trial, Penny herself said that quote: "I love that kid with all my heart," and that she tried for years to get behavioral treatment for her son. David was only 12 when first introduced to the juvenile system after hitting his adoptive mother, Penny. In middle school slash junior high, he regrettably got teased and made fun of. Kids can be assholes. Well, I'm not excusing them, but it was never too severe of, like, teasing. There wasn't, like, stealing his lunch money or giving him swirlies in the the boys room you know bathroom or beating him up david typically just 
took the teasing, sometimes talking back, but that was it. Until one time in seventh or eighth grade in class, the normal teacher that should have been there was out sick. So there was a substitute and they were basically just using the time as a study hall or to read. Towards the back of the classroom, a few boys were quietly verbally jabbing at David, unnoticed by the substitute teacher. That day, David decided he had enough and started wailing on one of his classmates. Oddly, the students remained silent while other classmates were trying to pry David away from the boy. Of course, this is when the substitute teacher looked up and thought they were trying to harm David, when in reality they were trying to get him to stop. So the teacher ordered them to let him go. Immediately, David went back to smacking the boy in the face. Then the teacher understood what was going on and got them to split up. David was lanky and kind of scrawny at the time, so the damage to his classmate was not severe, but he did chip the boy's tooth. I believe he got suspended or something of the sort. That or Penny and David just decided to move him to a different school, maybe both, but they did move him eventually to Marion High School. At one point, he did have hopes of attending Kirkwood Community College and then the University of Iowa to major in psychology. Would have been a great path. Great school. Yep. By the time he was a senior, he was living on his own under a program called Alternative Services Supervised Independent Living Program, which I had never heard of before and is a hell of a mouthful. This program has a curfew for its teens and supervises them on a case-by-case basis. Teens enrolled had rules to follow, including no drugs, no alcohol, get a job, go to school, and have no physical aggression. His mother, Penny, even said that he was in a downward spiral of drug use and alcohol use, though. So I don't know how supervised he really was. At one point, he got busted for trespassing as he used a credit card to slip someone's lock on their apartment door. Oh, okay. But that was... I. Th- believe that was dismissed. Um, In late December of 2001, Penny wrote to a Lynn County Juvenile Court judge citing his behavior and suggesting he be placed under a stricter program and also pleaded with a DHS social worker to get more help from him. And it is incredibly sad that no one listened. Somehow Brandy and David became friends There was no record I could find on how that happened. I mean, she wasn't in school. So, obviously, they didn't have class together. I don't believe they worked together, as she worked at Burger King, it said. And it never listed where David was actually working. It could have just been through mutual friends, especially with maybe the drug scene or something. Um, Regardless, the two of them blending paths was probably the worst thing that could have happened for each of them and certainly was the worst thing for Greg Wells. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to rate our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Good Pods. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Hometown Homicide Podcast, Twitter at Ope Murder, and our website at hometownhomicide.com. On the night of January 6, 2002, 20-year-old Brandy and 17-year-old David came up with a plan. A plan that was even told to Brandy's girlfriend, who was 13, by the way. Okay, so Brandy just got out of jail. Yeah. 
and her girlfriend that brought her to Iowa. No, or this. I'm not sure if it's the same girlfriend or not. She's 13. She's 13. And Brandy would have been in college. Well, correct? I mean, because old enough, I mean, she's 20, so she's old enough to be in college. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's incredibly inappropriate. And she should have been in jail for that. I mean, yeah. But told to Brandy's girlfriend and a couple of other friends ahead of time as the friends later testified to this. Brandy and David were with said friends when they called the local Marion Pizza Hut at 9.14 p.m. to have a pizza delivered to David's apartment at 875 26th Street, then left the friends to get ready for the unsuspecting delivery man. When they got to David's apartment, Brandy grabbed a claw hammer and hid in the closet near the apartment door. 31-year-old Greg Wells was unfortunately the typical night delivery man for this pizza hut, so off he went to deliver their order. David's role was to get Greg into the apartment, and Brandy's was to attack him. Their goal was to rob him and steal his car, and then flee the city with Brandy's girlfriend. When Greg showed up with their pizza, David and Brandy both did their, quote, jobs. David getting Greg inside the apartment, and Brandy popping out of the closet and attacking Greg with a hammer. She struck him 10 to 12 times in the head and face with the hammer, fracturing his skull in multiple places. He went down, but he wasn't dead. All for what, like 50 bucks? <sighs> I'm assuming. Uh, not even, actually. The pair tried to then smother Greg with a pillow for a bit, and then David supposedly tried to break Greg's neck but couldn't because there was so much blood he couldn't get a grip. Also, David was like 100 pounds soaking wet. With none of that yielding the result they wanted, David then got a serrated knife from a kitchen drawer and slit Greg's throat, severing the jugular. Death was not immediate, but came in minutes. Brandy ditched the hammer in the closet, and then they possibly packed a few things because there was blood found on light switches and other locations in the apartment. So for whatever reason, they used one of the windows as a door going in and out through it on the regular. Because that's not more... Suffering fuck attack. Yeah, it's fucking weird, though. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was like a sliding door and you didn't have to like use your front door because... Like, if you're on the ground level, you know, like, whatever. But why are you crawling out through a window? Right. It's fucking weird. This is how they exited with all of maybe $20 that Greg had. I forgot to put it in my thing, but I did read it somewhere that Pizza Hut, like, their policy is they don't, like, delivery people don't carry more than, like, 20 bucks or so cash on them. I was going to say, they probably keep, after each delivery, yeah, keep so the it's, money there. So it's not, you know... a robbery opportunity Uh, but they took maybe 20 bucks cash greg's wallet and after tossing the knife in the parking lot got into greg's vehicle obviously this is all horrific and fucked up but luckily for the justice for greg greg's car which was a 1988 buick wasn't in too great of shape he made do with what he had and it worked for him but According to co-workers, it was a jalopy and held together by, quote, a lot of work and good intentions. It had no dashboard, and he had to hotwire it to start. Oh, no. So the car broke down five blocks from David's apartment. 
they did not make it they far. did not make it very far um david and brandy then called the friends that they were with uh, her girlfriend and the other two to come pick them up which they did by driving a yellow cadillac now a yellow caddy is pretty conspicuous david's neighbors had seen this same car multiple times parked at the apartment building in the spot reserved for david's unit keep that in mind because that will come back later back at the pizza hut greg's shift supervisor katrina burkholder clearly noticed when he didn't return and also started receiving calls around 11 p.m from other customers complaining that their pizza never arrived he was apparently to deliver more pizzas than just david's on there on his trip she then called a friend who was also a former Pizza Hut employee. They agreed Greg's car probably broke down in transit. She tried calling the number that placed the order at David's apartment to check if Greg had at least made it that far, but got no answer. A worried Katrina called the police, and they sent an officer to drive the route he would have taken looking for him. Katrina and the friend she called also decided to go searching for Greg. When they got to David's apartment building, what they found was ominous. First, they saw Greg Wells's Pizza Hut hat in the parking lot. He apparently always wore the hat while he was working, and Katrina and the friend then called the police again. When police arrived, they tried knocking on the apartment door, but got no answer. They did discover that the door was unlocked, but recognized that at that moment, they had no probable cause to enter. The police then walked around the side of the building and found Greg's pizza warmer box on the ground. And then upon further searching, they saw a window cracked with the curtains hanging out, being the window that they left from, and it appeared to have blood on the curtains. I was going to say, there's probably blood, Mm -hmm. because I'm sure they have blood on them. Yes, so that was it. Police then entered the apartment and found Greg Wells' body laying on the floor, face down on blood-soaked carpet in the living room. There was blood on the walls, a light switch, the refrigerator, curtains, and on... Oh, on and in the kitchen drawer. So, obviously, when he opened mm-hmm. it. and They found no one home except a cat locked in the bathroom. <gasps> and they were going to fucking, like, skip town. And leave this I mean, cat they didn't to starve? Cat, but assholes. Police officers talked to other tenants in the building, and some reported that a yellow Cadillac was often seen in David's parking spot. Thanks to these neighbors, the police were swiftly on the lookout for a yellow caddy. And wouldn't you know it, it was spotted at the Excel Inn on 33rd Avenue Southwest, which I'm assuming turned into the Clarion, which turned into the, what is it now, Ramada? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm like trying to picture where on 33rd Avenue. By but Perkins McDonald's? and... No, I'm, I'm thinking the next block closer to the 380. Okay, by the Mexican? Yeah, like okay. back in there. Okay, so they went from Marion to... A hotel on the southwest side of southwest town. side of Cedar Rapids. Okay. Yeah. David, Brandy, and the three friends that picked them up were indeed found in one of the hotel rooms. There was blood on a bandana and a washcloth in the room with them, which clearly turned out to be Greg's blood as well as blood from David. So he must have cut himself while using the knife. In the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Being a Asshat. horrible human being. So at 6 a.m. January 7th, 2002, David and Brandy were taken into custody. Their stories changed multiple times over different interviews, sometimes putting most of the blame on the other person, 
mostly for each of their own defenses in their separate trials. But David at one point said he was threatened by Brandy that if he didn't cut Greg's throat, he was going to regret it. Yeah, I'm sure. I personally don't buy that as I was in class with David in middle school and saw him go berserk on my friend in the back of the classroom. Wait, you? David went to middle school with me. Oh, I yeah. did not know that. Uh, yeah, sixth grade, seventh grade, and maybe part of eighth grade, because I don't remember if this happened in seventh or eighth, but I know we were at, I know what school we were at. And I actually remember the substitute teacher we had. Interesting. <sighs> yes. Um, so yeah, I, I saw him harm someone before. Which that's, this has always stuck in my head because I remember when I was getting ready to go to class at Capri after, you know, after I graduated high school, I had the news on because I got like three channels in my room and I was like, huh, that person looks familiar. I hadn't heard what they were talking about yet. And then I heard them say, David Keegan and Brandy Bird arrested for being a pizza delivery guy to death with a hammer. And I'm like, holy shit I know David Keegan his hair was all bleach blonde so that's why I didn't like recognize him at first I'm like wow that's fucking crazy oh yeah that's been in my head for freaking 20 years what yeah what was the date again it happened in 2002 right but oh uh well when I saw it on the news it was probably eight months or so later but David's cellmate or one of David's cellmates, actually stated that he was disgusted by David's, quote, nonchalance when he talked about the murder. David described to his cellmate the way they ordered pizza, the way they lured him in, the way Brandy came out of the hallway closet and hit him on the head with a hammer. David also bragged to his cellmate about he was in a gang. He claimed him and Brandy were in a gang. I'm not going to say the gang name because I don't want that kind of... Spotlight in my life, <laughs> but please don't. I'm just like get the fuck real. Police did state that they didn't believe there was any actual gang involvement with these two dipshits, and that's my words, not theirs. That they are more likely wannabes. David did also testify that Brandy had a violent streak, and she would hit you with things sometimes if you did something she didn't like. Grossly, though, after David was arrested and being interviewed by the police. He rhetorically asked if he was going to be in big trouble and then laughed. He then told an officer, quote, the guy was ugly anyway. I don't feel that bad about it. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, prick. Fuck you. And I thought Greg Wells is pretty cute in the picture I keep seeing in all the articles I was looking at. Shut up, David. I mean, that should have no. I mean, yeah. He's no remorse. Strictly being an asshat. Yeah. Yuck. In December of 2002, David Keegan was convicted of first-degree murder with the automatic sentence of life without parole. But in 2012, the Supreme Court banned juveniles serving life without parole since he was 17 when it happened. So in 2016, his sentence was changed to life with a chance to parole. Most recently, though, on October 6th of 2021, David tried for parole again. It wasn't his first time, but this was the most recent. According to reports from the Iowa Department of Corrections, David has done well in prison, engaged in one-on-one counseling, volunteered for youth programs, which, fuck, what? I don't know what kind. Um, Lives in, quote, honor housing, 
with fewer restrictions because that worked well the first time around. Right. And also works in the prison as an IT tech after receiving his associate degree in 2019. For free. Right. He also wants to further his education as a and has apparently written a book with his passion for writing. Hmm. Despite all of his, quote, improvements and achievements, his request for parole was denied. Good. Asshole. David is currently at the Fort Dodge Correctional Facility, which is a medium security prison, but the parole board did agree to move him to a minimum security prison to give him, quote, a chance to prove himself in a less restrictive environment. Again, because that went so well the first time. Right. And what prison did they move him to? That, I don't know. They just... Assuming? It might have said it in another article, but I I guess I didn't even... I'm assuming still Iowa? Probably, I'm sure. Part of Brandy's defense was that she had depression and heard voices as a child, and that she had a chaotic life, poor socialization skills, and chemical problems, then attributed her bad decisions to her low mental capacity. But she was not found to be psychotic or unable to form intent, which is required required for diminished capacity defense. Brandy Bird was found guilty of first-degree murder in July 2003 and sentenced to life without parole. When the judge was... Oh, God. When the judge was reading Brandy's verdict, Brandy had something to say about it. She interrupted the judge, loudly interjecting, Guilty. You gotta be kidding me. Did you hear what I heard? I can't believe that I'm guilty. I can't believe it. Bitch, what? What? And, like, she gave interviews saying that that she did it. Like, I don't know if she was trying to say that she's that dumb that she couldn't... Like, (laughs) I don't know. But I'm like, how the fuck are you surprised that you're guilty? And what does the judge have to say with her rudely interrupting? Amanda Potterfield, I believe the judge's name was. She was not thrilled about it. She, you know, ordered her to be quiet and her... Brandy's defense was like, okay, you had your fun. Like, shut shut the fuck up. Um, I believe she is serving at the Iowa Correctional Institute for Women in Mitchellville, Iowa. That was one of the things I knew I read it somewhere, and then I couldn't find what article it was in, and I was getting frustrated. Um, Now, most importantly, this brings me to talk about Greg Wells. He was born to his parents, Kip and Margie Wells, and had a brother, Paul, his sister Teresa and grew up in Fort Madison, Iowa. Greg was kind and fun-loving. His family actually received hundreds of letters from people in the Marion and Cedar Rapids area saying Greg was a quote good guy, even from some that only knew him as someone who delivered pizza. Mm-hmm. Some also described how he was always willing to help others. He was a hard worker and worked many hours, but would always make sure to attend special occasions with his family. He was also good at fixing things, especially cars, which I think is slightly funny because his car was kind of like a shitbox, but he did make it work. He did. Like, I'll give him that. Like, he did make it work. Just because those two assholes didn't know how to work it after they stole it, that's, that's not on him. He would often stop to help other people when he saw them with, you know, car problems along the road or fix cars for his coworkers. The reverend at Greg's funeral told of a time when Greg and his dad, Kip, were working on a car and something went wrong. Apparently, Kip started spewing some choice words, and Greg said, Dad, why don't you go stand over there and cuss for a while, and I'll work on the car. (laughs) 
Greg enjoyed comedians, including George Carlin, and he could actually recite some of Carlin's material, but would reportedly clean up the language a bit. And friends said Greg had a memorable, tear-inducing laugh. His brother Paul said, quote, Personally, I feel the state has the right and responsibility to trade a life for a life. Lacking that, life in prison will have to be good enough. Not that this isn't traumatic for his whole family, but Paul was actually on active duty in the fight against terrorism when he learned of his brother's senseless murder. So, so sad. You know, like, just being that far away. And you can't not, do it, and you can't be there yeah. with your family. You can't. That had to have been so A whole difficult. other level. Uh, Greg enjoyed his job at Pizza Hut, especially the customer interactions, and reportedly liked listening to radio talk shows while he was out for deliveries. Prior to the Pizza Hut gig, he earned his associate's degree at Southeastern Community College in Burlington, Iowa, and performed as a singer on the Emerald Lady Riverboat in Fort Madison. He had also sung in the choir as a member of the St. John United Church of Christ in Fort Madison. Greg had a longtime girlfriend of six years, Marsha Myers, and was a father figure to her son, Matthew, who was eight at the time of Greg's death. They met when Greg moved to Cedar Rapids and were first neighbors, and then two years later began dating. Marsha told of Greg's talent of singing and playing guitar and regretted that she never taped it. She also said if they'd ask, he'd have just given them money or a ride to anywhere. He was just that kind of guy. Greg's relationship with her son Matthew was a sweet one. The two flew kites together, played baseball, and read comics and books. In fact, when Marcia told Matthew of Greg's death, he replied with, Who's going to read to me now? Oh, that makes me so sad. Yeah. Marcia said, He spoiled both of us. We'll miss him a lot. Margie, Greg's mother, is on record saying, quote, This has taken the joy out of living. I cannot forgive them. God will have to do that. I messaged Teresa, his sister, on Facebook, and she let me know a little bit about him. Greg was a wonderful person, missed by many, that's for sure. He was the youngest in our family, ornery, stubborn, and most of all, so funny. He was sensitive, too, and had the biggest heart. If I went to step on a spider, he would stop me and pick it up and take it outside instead. He loved music. He had a good voice, taught himself guitar, and could play song play a song on the piano just by hearing it. I remember him learning Elton John's Your Song that way, like hearing it and being able to just play it. And she said she thought that was amazing he could do that. At the time of the trial and whatnot, his sister Teresa stated, I'll miss that we don't get to grow old together. I'll always I always expected him to be around. My family has been irreparably broken. He should have died an old man with his loving family around him. Instead, he died alone with evil around him. Mm-hmm. It's and that terrible. is the unfortunate, a- senseless murder of Greg Wells. Yeah, they took a very... I mean, he sounds like a all-around good guy. Yeah. What a stupid plan. I mean, who... Right? Like, okay... Like, the fact that their whole plan was to do this to a pizza... I mean, it was going to be whoever delivered their pizza. Right. To their address. To the address where they live. Yeah. 
Duh. But stealing their car, one thing. But like, to, you're planning to rob him when he's literally going to have twenty bucks. Like what? What? You'd have had better luck going to a restaurant and robbing them or and stealing someone's store. car. Yeah, and you probably would have got. I mean, a couple hundred that, maybe, but still. Well, not even that. You would have got less time. Yeah. Because robbery, I mean, if it was armed robbery, probably twenty five years. But don't take someone's life for 20 bucks. Yeah. I mean, don't take it for anything. Right. But. God. Just. It, it almost makes you want to think maybe they weren't quite all there mentally. But you had. You made this plan. You you made it in advance. You executed that's it. That's premeditated. Yeah. Mean. I mean, yeah. Unfortunate. That's uh, crazy that. You actually went to school mm-hmm. with one. Yeah, it was weird. He was he was always a little weird. I mean, we could all be weird sometimes, but oh sure. And uh, I mean, I'm weird in my own sense, but I'm not ever going to take the life of someone else, right? And like, I remember you know him getting teased. I don't even I can't remember specifics why. I don't know if it was. Because of his whole life situation, I do remember that we thought his mom was a bit off. Sounds like she was a bit off, but I mean, whatever. Yeah, it's just the whole thing is bizarre. And I've thought about it for 20 years. I didn't know until looking into this, though, that not just, but thought they just beat him with the hammer. Like, I didn't know that they did the whole slit the throat and everything too and I'm like oh god that's other levels of just holy shit so painful because even after like you said the throat it still took a few minutes mm-hmm. so he had to feel every mm-hmm. hit and you said there was 12 yeah 10, 10 to 12 there was varying reports but basically 10 to 12 and yeah he had Gosh. like 2 to 3 skull fractures ugh yeah. Well, they deserve where, where they are, and I hope David Keegan stays there. I hope he doesn't get parole, because he had zero remorse. I know he was only 17, but still, mm-mm. No. Well, that one hit close to home. I know. It was very close to home. Yeah. I know. Passed by that pizza hut a fucking thousand times. I actually know where the apartment is, too. I looked it up on Google Maps. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know right where those are. Oh. <laughs> As I was being weird. I wanted to see. You'll have to show me. Yeah. But, yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed Sarah's story. Mm. Again, let us know what you think by giving us a rating on Spotify, Apple, and Good Pods. Now that we should have our sound working again. And then I also did forget another one uh, that is on the top 10 true crime indie podcast list is Bloody Pasta um, which is a true crime podcast that is based out in Italy yes on, so on Italian that one was murders a good, or good listen crimes. they were a part of my uh, five star listen that I did last week I did a few apologize for this being a little bit late like I said that is my fault slash my work's fault but still it falls on me so Life happens, guys. Uh, I know she mentioned our our social medias earlier, but also don't forget 
if you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash hometown homicide podcast for the low, low price of $1 a month. So you could help support us in improving our equipment even more or, you know, whatnot. There's other levels you can up to if you want, but. And also don't forget over on YouTube, subscribe, comment, let us know that you've subscribed because we can't see everyone that has. Uh, our first milestone is 100 subscribers. We will be giving away a piece of merch. So once you do subscribe, let us know so that we can add you to that giveaway. We are currently at 48. <laughs> so only 52 more. So head over there, hit that subscribe, leave a comment, and we'll get you entered. Remember, we want to tell stories to you and not about you. So stay safe. And this was Hometown Homicide.